Welcome to The Way Church. We're glad you're joining us for today's message. For sermon notes, service times, and more information, check us out online at thewaychurchva.com. Now let's join Pastor Matt Rothy with this week's message. Our sermon lesson this morning comes from Matthew's Gospel, Matthew chapter 22. This will serve as the basis for our sermon. We remain standing to give honor and respect and glory to the words and the work of Jesus. Jesus spoke to them again in parables saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come. But they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened cattle have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off. One to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them and killed them. The king was enraged sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, Tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise be to you, O Christ. You may be seated. I thought I was going to begin the sermon this morning by showing you a clip, a news clip, but I'm not for a couple of reasons. Here's what happened. As I was preparing the sermon message this morning, for this morning, one thing that, that stood out to me again and again was the emotion that's packed in to this parable, the, the feelings, the powerful and strong feelings I mean, you can imagine what it's like to, to extend invitations and no one comes to the party. And you feel it when the king gets enraged, but you also feel it as he compassionately goes out again and again and invites people. And as I was reading through this, I was reminded of a real life story that I, that I wanted to show you a, a news clip of to help convey just the powerful emotions in this parable. There's a story I remember hearing on the news of a boy who invited his class to his birthday party, but no one came. 
So I went online. I, I typed that into the Google machine. I said, uh, boy invites to party, no one comes. And maybe I'm naive. But I didn't just find that story. I found hundreds of those stories. Can you imagine that? Like, it's actually a frequent thing that occurs. People extend invitations and no one comes. I mean, I don't have to show you that clip. And, and this is one reason why I'm not showing you that clip. It's because we get it. We can, just, we can just sense, whether you're a young kid or, or a grown adult, how, how sad, how, how ashamed that we'd feel. If, if that happened to us. That's one reason why I'm not sharing that clip. Here, here's the other one. Every one of those news clips, every one of those stories that was covered, it, it had two elements to the story. The first I already mentioned, it was the fact that the kid, the parents, they felt shame. They felt a great deal of embarrassment for no one coming to the party. The second thing that all those stories had, they had a savior. They, they had someone who, who ended up rescuing the day. And, and that's why this turned in to a news story. In, in the first story I was thinking about, a group of firefighters heard about this. And this kid, this boy, he loved firefighters and firemen. So they came. They came to his party and they made the day. The second story was pretty cool too. The young, the young kid, he was a fan of the Phoenix Suns. And so the basketball team actually showed out and invited him to a game, let him come courtside. Pretty cool, huh? And, and the third one, um, young lady, the whole restaurant made her day by noticing that, that literally no one came to her party. So they did. They, they all sat at her table, surrounded it, and it was awesome. But that's the second reason why I didn't show you the news clip. It's because the parable that we're looking at today, it's, it's a story that has some parallels. It has some parallels. There, there's a king who's God, who has a party, gives invitations. And you heard me read it before. No one comes. But here's the key difference. He doesn't need a savior. He, he's the savior. He's the savior of this story. And, and the reason is, it's because of the first reason he didn't feel any shame. What we see in this story is Jesus showing us his heart, telling us a story about unashamed invitations going out. He is unashamedly inviting, open, welcoming, warm, winsome. That's him. No matter what losses he incurs, he goes out and invites and invites again and again. But notice this too. There's a lot of people involved in this story. There are five groups of people. And if you're following along on your worship guide and your sermon notes, we, we're going to have some fill in the blanks for each one of these people and, and how the invitation goes out to them. It's people who are irrational, irrationally lazy. It's the indifferently busy people. It's the rage-inducing murderers. They get the invitation as well. It's the good people and bad people alike. And then it's also the silently selfish people. They all get the invitation. And what we're going to look at as we walk our way through this parable, this story that Jesus tells, is what the invitation is all about and how it impacts all these different people. So let's begin. The story begins in this way. Jesus spoke to them again in parables saying, 
The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come. But they refused. And he sent some more servants and said, tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened cattle have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the banquet. This is the word of God. The people in this first part of the story, irrational. Irrationally lazy. What it says is they refused to come. They didn't even care. They just didn't want to. I, think, I mean, think about that. Like someone says, hey, I want to invite you to a party. And it, instead of providing any rationale, they just go, no. They just, they just refuse to come. And they refuse to come to a party put on by the king. Yeah, that adds a layer to that, doesn't it? I mean, we don't have royalty here in America, and lately it's kind of been in vogue to not come to the White House at the bequest of the president, both sides of the aisle, to prove a political point. So let's throw that example out, and I want you to think through American royalty, okay? American royalty. What if you were extended an invitation to come to a grand party by your favorite celebrity? Your favorite actor or actress, let's pretend this for a moment, that someone whose acting skills you admire, they are up for actor or actress of the year for the Academy Awards. They're up for an Oscar nomination for this. It's really a once-in-a-lifetime kind of opportunity, and they call you up. Oh, they just shoot you a text probably first and said, hey, I, I have an invitation for you and a significant other. You and a plus one. I want you to be my guest at the Oscars. I would like you to come and be my guest at an all-expense-paid trip to this grand party. I mean, do you realize what they're asking? Or do you realize what you're getting? Perhaps you maybe didn't know this, but the Oscars cost over $55 million to put on every year. I mean, think about that. All of the best, the choicest foods and wines are there. And that's just that part of the day. I mean, your travel's paid for, but let's talk about what's really big deal, what you're going to wear. Did you know that outfits, even, even for first-time people, like not A-list, but maybe this is just your first time, so like me and you going to the Oscars, did you know that on average, people spend about a quarter of a million dollars on those outfits? And guess what? It's not yours. It's not yours. You don't, you don't have to pay for it. People who make clothes, fashion designers, they're going to they're gonna don you with these wonderful outfits. So that's just the before and during party. There's after parties too. Do you know what, do you know what tickets to those cost? $100,000. And guess what? You just have tickets for you and your plus one to go to that. And then you get to go home at night and you get a goodie bag too. And this isn't like a, you know, a birthday party at Chuck E. Cheese. No, or you get some cool little trinkets in there. Do you know what's inside of those goodie bags, those take-homes from Oscar Academy Award parties? Trips. Trips. Luxury paid trips worth over $100,000 is the average cost of that. And this is all given to you. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine receiving an invitation to that? And even if you don't enjoy those kind of parties, would you really say no? 
There's no way. There's no way if someone who's acting you admire said, I, I would like you to be my guest, you'd be like, nah, nah, call me up next year. No, 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 you wouldn't do that because the Oscars getting nominated for the best actor or actress award, that's, that's a once in a lifetime thing. There might not be a next year. So you wouldn't do that. You would say yes. That's what's being conveyed in this parable. This is a once in a lifetime opportunity. The king, his son, he's having a wedding and you are invited to come to it. And the choicest of foods and wines, everything, everything's ready for you. I would just say, nah, no. Who would do that? Think through why someone would do that. I asked the kids that before. Someone nailed it. It said because they hated Jesus. I mean, that's one reason you'd say no. It's because you don't like the person who's inviting you. Is that why we at times refuse God's gospel invitation to, to hear God's word more, to, to engage in, in the good news message? No, probably not. You're, you're here. So why else would someone maybe say no indifferently, irrationally, lazy? Someone says, hey, here's the good news. Here's the gospel. And we say no. Could it be because we don't understand the significance? I mean, perhaps that's why someone would say no to going to a, to a lavished Oscar party. They don't understand the significance of what's being asked invited, is it could be that we don't understand the value of this. That we don't understand that, that this gospel invitation, it, it's, it doesn't cost you anything, but it, it wasn't free. Christ's own blood paid for this. To the irrationally lazy, the invitation goes out nonetheless. And it says this, that, listen, here, here's the good news. There's a party. It, it's for you, and it requires nothing of you. It requires nothing of you. No money down. You don't have to pay for a thing, and yet I'm giving to you everything. I mean, just think through the analogy that we gave of the Oscars. Think through the illustration, the parable that Jesus is telling to us here, that come, everything is ready for you. Come to the wedding banquet. I fan calf. It's out. The choicest of wines. It's here. This is Isaiah's gospel. He, he gives the illustration all the way in the Old Testament and he explains it. He says, this is a feast of rich food, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats, the finest of wines. And then if you don't understand the, the correlation, he just gives it to you. He says, here's what I'm inviting you into. I've swallowed up death forever. You need not fear death anymore. This is what the gospel invitation is gives to you. No, it's, it's, it's not a goodie bag of like maybe a luxury trip. It's better than that. You won't touch death and it won't touch you. He goes on. He says, the sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all your faces. He will remove people's disgrace from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. Do you see what you're, what you're being given in this? Do we understand the significance of this invitation? That God has given to us everything. He has wiped away every tear. He's going to take away all sadness, everything that's uncomfortable. He's taken it away. 
This, this is what I'm extending to you, God says, in the gospel. It's an invitation to enjoy this feast. And friends, even now, as you hear this, that invitation is going out to you through God's message of the gospel. But there's more. There's more. To the indifferently busy, the invitation says this. So some went out, servants, and said, tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened calf have, have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off. One to his field, another to his business. Here's what we note about the indifferently busy. There's nothing wrong to taking care of your field. There's nothing wrong with that. It's, it's actually good to have a field. There's nothing wrong to looking after your business. It's actually a noble thing to have a job, to have business. But you see what Jesus is teaching in, in just these few short words, this, this quick aspect of the story. Let's not miss it. He's saying, you have good things. Things that are of temporal worth. Don't put them ahead of things, the thing of infinite worth. We talked before just a moment about understanding the significance and the value of this is. And, and some people, they are irrationally lazy. They, they don't even think about it. But there's other people, the people here, that the invitation is going out to who are indifferently busy. It's not that they're not thinking about the gospel. Oh, they're thinking. They're just thinking about everything else going on. They're so busy. They have fields. They have businesses. They have things to go to. They have things that, that they need to do. Maybe you don't have a field, but you have kids. And we say, oh, but <laughs> I know about the gospel, but like we have Johnny's sports teams. Don't, I mean, don't you think that God wants us to have well-rounded children after all? The invitation goes out and says, don't put things of temporal worth over things of infinite worth. Yeah, but what about like rest? Like sometimes when I have like a really busy week, don't, don't you think God wants me to just like rest and recover? So I can serve him. I can serve him more. Don't put, put pit these against each other. God says, he says, don't put things of temporal worth over things of infinite worth. Yeah, but I, I love my family and God's gifted me with my family. In fact, scripture's pretty clear. He's called me to be a, a son and a daughter and a husband and a wife and a mother and a father. I gotta, I gotta care for my family. God will understand, surely, right? Don't put things of infinite, excuse me, temporal worth ahead of the one thing of infinite worth. Here's what he says to the people who are indifferently busy. This invitation is something of infinite worth. We read it before. We talked about it again. What he's extending to us here is life, forgiveness. You know never death. Wipe away every tear from your eye. This is heaven itself. Here's the question we, we need to wrestle with. And this is a question for life. Oftentimes, we think to ourselves that life is, is choosing between good and evil. I need to make the good choice and avoid the evil choices. 
But that's not really what most of life is. Most of life is simply choosing between good things and the best thing. Between choosing of all of the good and noble and high callings we have, like taking care of fields and and businesses, and receiving the invitation for the one thing that's best, the one thing that is of infinite worth. This is God's gospel. He goes on, and as an aside, an aside to all of you, he talks to rage-inducing murderers. Because there is, there is the rest who seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army, destroyed those murderers, and burned their city. It's the gospel so far. And I said this is an aside because here, here's, here's the truth. We just have to acknowledge for a moment that there are times perhaps when we are illogically lazy in our spiritual lives. There are perhaps other times where we're indifferently busy as well. But the truth is there's another group of people in this parable that we can relate to. It's the servants. We love to be servants of God and do what the king has entrusted us to do, to take his message, the invitation of the gospel, and share it with people. The question then becomes, what happens when, maybe not killed for it, but rejected? Well, here's this to know. And you see the king's reactions. To the rage-inducing murders, we note this, that the invitation, it is powerfully triggering. We note this to people who, who refuse the gospel outright and blatantly that it is triggering. This is the message that challenges people. Last week, Jesus said it himself that this message of the gospel, some people are going to trip on it. It's going to fall on other people, but it doesn't matter. It's going to destroy those who reject it. But this is also a word to God's servants, to you and me, to just know, to just know that the gospel message, it it's challenging. It's simple in the fact that it's clear. Christ died for sinners, but it's incredibly complex in what it does to people, how it challenges their worldview. And we just have to acknowledge and know that it's powerfully triggering. And yet we also know this, that the response and the reaction, it's the king's. It's the king's to take care of, not ours. Romans tells us that Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. That's that's a familiar line, right? Vengeance is mine, declares the Lord. But do you know the verse that comes after it? Simply this, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That's, that's our role as servants of the king. And we see the spirit of that king in what comes next. Because he, he's unashamed. Unashamed that there's people who reject him. Unashamed that there's people who are indifferent or who are just really irrational about what they're being invited to. And he keeps on inviting again and again and again. And it could not be more clear in these next verses. To the good and bad partiers, the invitation says this. Then he, the king, said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. 
So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. Here you see the king's heart on full display. He's just not ashamed. He's just not ashamed. He's not bothered. He's not hurt by the fact that nobody comes to his party. Instead, what does he do? Unashamedly, he goes and invites good people and bad people. And I don't know which one you see yourself as this morning, but the good news is the gospel invitation is this, is to know that if you see yourself as a good person, we have this this really wonderful, humbling, yet encouraging message in the gospel that to the good and to the bad partiers, the invitation, it's not dependent on your goodness or your badness. It is entirely dependent on the goodness of the king. You feeling good about about hearing the gospel and, and being a part of the wedding banquet? God says, good, good, good. I've invited good people. The invitation wasn't dependent on you or your goodness perceived on any level. It's completely dependent on me, the king, and my benevolence to you. And the same goes for you, you who who see yourself as as bad people. He says, come on in. (laughs) Welcome to the party. (laughs) Come on into the party because it doesn't depend on you. It doesn't depend if you're good or bad. Listen, I want you here. And that is a part about being unashamedly inviting. Do you see it? He is warm. He is welcoming. He is inviting you to experience this. What does it mean to to live a life unashamed? What does that mean for you and me to live a life unashamed of the gospel invitation that we have received? What does it mean to live in the light of an unashamed inviter? Well, We read in Romans chapter one, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone, everyone who believes. So let's answer that question just briefly. What does it mean to live an unashamed life? Here's the first one. We're unashamed of of whose we are, of whose guests we are. We're unashamed because this king has so loved us and brought us in. And, And he is the one that, what does he do? Well, he gives us his righteousness, all of his goodness, all of the goodness and benevolence and power and majesty and purity and holiness of the kings. He says, good or bad, come on into my party and enjoy it. It is yours. You are mine. It's being unashamed of whose you are, whose guests you are, and who you are. Because now that you're in the party, you're righteous too. And what does he say? The righteous live by faith. This is who you are. You're neither good nor bad. You are a sinner and a saint simultaneously because you live clothed with the righteousness of God. That is who you are. And finally, it's giving unashamed what you have. See, here's the really, really good news that we'll unpack in just a moment. The invitation, once you've received it, you don't just have a plus one behind it. You have plus infinity to share this invitation, this gospel message with everybody. This is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. And just think for a moment about how God chooses to convey his gospel to you here uniquely. It's a party. It's a wedding party. 
You think about how much fun a wedding party can be. Family of friends all gathered there. I mean, we just, we just love meals like that. Maybe, maybe it's Thanksgiving that you're looking forward to in, in, a, in about a month. Just everyone there gathered together. Friends and family, those you love best, enjoying the experience. I don't mean to rain on your mental parade here, but all those parties, they were pretty fun, weren't they? But they come to an end. At some point, the venue says, hey, partiers, you got to go. At some point, Thanksgiving, it comes to an end, and friends and family leave, and we go back to work. But here's the difference with this party. It just doesn't end. It never ends. And it's a party that you and I are standing in right now. It'd be good to say amen there, but there, there is one more person. There's this kind of surprise ending to this story. It's the invitation to someone who's been silent and is now silenced. It's an invitation to someone who is silently selfish. The king comes in and he sees his guests and he notices that a man was there not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. The king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot, throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. This is the gospel of the Lord. Strange ending to a really wonderful celebration. So let's, let's ask the question, what's going on with this guy? The wedding clothes, what, what's that all about? Let me give you a real-life example. This past summer, I had the really awesome experience of getting invited to not one, but two family weddings. Both my brother and my sister got married within eight days. And as my wife and I were packing up our minivan to go to these weddings, and as we unloaded all of our stuff from the car, and then at the end of eight days, packed it all back into the car, one thing we remarked upon every single time was, we packed so many clothes. We packed tons of clothes. But it's not because we are like overpackers, not in this case anyways, and it's not because we have five people in our family. No, the reason we packed so many clothes is because there are so many events. There's so many events around weddings. For my brother's wedding, there was a bachelor party, a rehearsal in the wedding. For my sister's wedding, there was a bachelorette party, there was a rehearsal, there's some family picnics in between, and then there was the wedding. And God bless them, but both my brother and my sister and their spouses had very specific clothing requirements for all of these events. And they were different. They were different. And so we had, to, we had to plan ahead a little bit and think through, okay, what does it mean to like wear formal attire, casual attire, business casual, or cocktail attire, and then have outfits planned for this, right? Ready to go. So we were ready. We were there. But at each one of these events, we noticed that there was some family members, some friends, some cousins maybe, who didn't get the memo. Or they did get the memo, they just didn't read it. And they were underdressed. You ever been in a situation like that? Socially, you, you come to this thing and you're, you're just not wearing what everyone else is wearing? Yeah, at my siblings' wedding events and maybe that event, no, no one's kicking you out, right? No, no one's shaming you to the sh streets, right? 
but it, it can be a little socially embarrassing, right? That's what's going on here. This guy's silent because he got the memo. He just didn't care. And it wasn't because he was being indifferently lazy, like he, he, he just was lazy and didn't care. No, he got it, he read it. And it wasn't because he was sort of being like distracted and just really busy and thinking about other things. No, no, he got it and he just decided he was gonna do him. He was gonna make a fashion statement here at the wedding. He was gonna show this king that while you said this attire or that attire should be worn, Look at me. I'm here not wearing the wedding clothes that you want. And it's to the silently selfish that the invitation is rather straightforward. There is a dress code. What is the dress code? It's one we've talked about throughout this sermon. It's one that Romans talked about as well. Is that we stand in the invitation that we've received. It's just knowing that, that we have received an invitation that, that requires nothing of us. It's not about us, but it, yet it gives to us everything. It's an invitation of infinite worth. And it's an invitation that has, that has no bearing on our merit. It, it does not depend one ounce on us, but is entirely dependent on the king. He clothes us. He clothes us with his righteousness. Here there's an encouragement and a warning. There's an encouragement because, well, maybe we know people like this. People who are going to be spiritually autonomous. And so we have the invitation, the memo line that says, this, this is what we get to wear. And it's good news that we get to proclaim to them. But could there be a more noteworthy warning here for Americans who, who do just value autonomy? That we hear this, we hear the invitation, and, and there are times, subtle, silent, loud or great, where we decide, nah, I'm just gonna keep living out my lifestyle. Even though this is what the invitation says that my life should look like, just gonna keep making these choices. Is there times where we think, yeah, I know God loves me and I, I know all about the gospel, but <laughs> he understands he understands me, right? And we think that we can continue on with, with our own theological convictions that are not, not in line with this invitation of the gospel. There is perhaps no more poignant warning for, for people who live in a place and a time that just loves autonomy and, and loves independence. The invitation that that we have received, it's good. It is good, but it, it is not dependent or, or even about us in the slightest. It is completely dependent on a benevolent king who extends to you his mercy again and again. And throughout your life, he's going to keep doing it and saying, here, here is a party for you. It is of infinite worth. Enjoy it, bask in it, remain in it. And he describes it to you as a party in which you have to bring nothing to this. No meals, no clothes, nothing at all, but everything will be given to you. And he says, good or bad, enjoy in it, rejoice in it all the days of your life. Amen.